Welcome to Ordinary People Doing Extraordinary Things. I'm your host, Carrie Drugan, and I will be showing you how average, everyday middle-class people are choosing to make positive changes in their life to accomplish what makes them happy. I hope these podcasts will allow you to feel a connection with people who are just like you and make you realize you can have the life you want. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Today, my guest is Robin Myers. She's a certified teen and women's life coach, and she helps young women discover their passion and their voice. So hello, Robin. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So I want to start with, uh, before we kind of get into more of what you do, kind of talk about what it was like when you were in high school and your transition into college or whatever you decided to do next. What was that like for you? How did you feel? And how did you kind of deal with it when you were that age? Absolutely. You know, interestingly enough, when I look back, um, when I was in high school, I actually went to a private school. And I was one of those kids that really was a people pleaser. You know, I pleased my parents, my teachers, kind of went down that straight, narrow path, of course. And I was very academic, but I think I, I, I love academics. I mean, I've taught for years, but I think I was very academic as well because I was kind of scared of my own shadow. Um, youngest of three, two older brothers, and I think I just kind of was very shy and introverted. And when I look back, almost to a fault. So um, times are different now, of course. We don't have, we well, we didn't have, obviously, the Internet and, and cell phones and all of that sort of social media stuff. So I didn't have those pressures. But, um, you know, going to college was you went through high school, you applied to college and, and so forth. But I never really stopped to wonder and ask myself, what did I want to do? Um, I lived in outside of New York City. Um, New York City was kind of my backyard. And there were things that I loved to do and had opportunities to do, but I didn't do them because I had a path of academics I was supposed to do. So I very much live kind of, um, as much as I believe in the academics, I, I really do believe in, in why I want girls in particular to know that, you know, do follow your heart and you do have time and... Um, Finding your passion is important, you know, and finding your own self and your self-esteem, and that's very important to do these days. Mm -hmm. So now after high school, did you go to college, or what did you do next? What did you study at that time afterwards? <laughs> so interestingly enough, um, so I grew up outside of New York City, and I decided to go to college, a place called Hiram College in Hiram, Ohio, incredibly small, about 1,500 students, Total culture shock. Yeah. <laughs> From New York City to middle of nowhere, Ohio. Yes, it would be. <laughs> Complete culture shock. Um, outside of Cleveland, middle of nowhere. Complete. I, you know, it's funny. When you look back, like everything I do, I try and say, you know, I do, no regrets. I wouldn't be where I'm at today. But um, when I look back, I'm like, wow. <laughs> what was I thinking? But um, So I went to undergrad at Hiram College. Um, I was very much initially going uh, pre-med. I was going to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. um, I went through the route of applying to med schools and not getting in. Um, you know, people saying, well, you should apply, you know, internationally. And, and that, of course, my parents were like, you're not doing that. 
So I applied to grad schools and I got into Case Western Reserve University, which is in Cleveland, Ohio. And I think, you know, I think pretty much I didn't look back. I left New York and it was like, see it to my parents and everybody. I'm going to go be independent now. Um, and I went and got my master's degree. I was actually going to reapply to med schools, but I really loved doing what I was doing. And believe it or not, I have my master's in molecular genetics. Mm, that's different. I, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, kind of different. You know, I thought it was kind of cool. It was, you know, uh, let's see, I'm going to date myself, but, um, I graduated college in 86 and that's kind of when, um, human genome project don't know all started. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, it was just kind of cool and neat. And so I stayed in Cleveland for a little bit before I moved into the DC area in 89. So now at what point did you feel like, ah, uh, something doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel like a good fit. I don't feel like I'm passionate about what I'm doing. Where were you at in your life or what age where you just kind of had that feeling or was that always there for you? You, you know, I, it kind of all kind of rolled into really several years ago, to be quite honest. So uh, quickly about me, um, from grad school, you know, I came into the DC area. Uh, I was dating someone who became my fiance and my husband. I've been married 25 plus years. Wonderful. Um, and you know, we have three great kids, 19, 21, 24 now, but you know, I, I never really found my career. I, I loved what I was doing, but I still, I loved education. Mm-hmm. So, and as my kids were growing up, I, I had, was able to be home with them quite a bit, but as they were growing up, education really was a priority of mine. And so what I found was, you know, I enjoyed obviously volunteering for them and, and being in the, in the school system, but I always found that there was some sort of thing missing, you know, and I went from, as I got older, I went into uh, being like a substitute teacher and then long-term subs. And then I went into a nonprofit organization being the director of education, which dealt with a lot with experiential learning. And I started to see this pattern of, you know, when you give a child a chance and a project to do, to really just explore and take away the, the rules and the parameters, um, they just soar. And I remember going into various school systems. Basically, it was this um, nonprofit organization where we dealt with um, the National Park Services mm-hmm. from Gettysburg down to Charlottesville. And so they needed new um, marketing material. And so we would pair with uh, middle schools that were basically within walking distance to the national parks. And it was really interesting because each school system had a little bit of a different take to it, you know, and, and administration and stuff like that. And what was really interesting was, you know, some schools would be like, I want you to work with quotes, the gifted children, or, you know, this classroom's a little more difficult because of this student. And to me, I, I just, totally took that and like threw that away because to me, you know, everybody brings a gift of Mm -hmm. some difference. And when I would talk to these students that were quotes, you know, different or, you know, couldn't 
um, participate as easily and hear their ideas. They were the ones that brought the most interesting, unique takes to the projects and just soared. And you would watch their self-esteem and they would bring just such a uniqueness. And these kids like changed forever. Mm -hmm. It really was at that point that I was like, you know, if every student could have this opportunity to do something like this. And then as my kids got older, my middle son was applying to colleges and I'm in Loudoun County, Virginia. Right. And it's very fast paced, you know, it's very normal to graduate with over a 4.0 and it's very normal to apply to, you know, Virginia Tech and UVA and all these big schools, but nobody stops and says, you know, what do you want to do? What, you know, where do you see yourself in five, 10, 15 years? Mm-hmm. It's always, you're walking down this path and nobody stops because we, there's no time and the schools have become so administratively heavy. There's no time to say, Hey, let's put the brakes on. We do have time. And, you know, it's funny because that paralleled with me. I was about 47, 48, thinking, okay, I'm coming to that halfway mark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, what do I want to do in my second half? Because I'm doing all these different things with education. I'm not sure if I'm so settled, really, in what I want to do. And I really found this parallel, like, I, I need to make a change, and I need to be a an advocate for these students to think outside the box. And, you know, if you want to go to college, absolutely. You know, that it, it's important. It's not that it's not important, but not every student is ready to do that right out of the gate. But my real reason was really um, focusing on, you know, our goal really needs to be is that whenever these teens, you know, turn into young adults and going out into the world, whether it's a job or it's a, you know, apprenticeship or college or or whatever it is, we're supposed to give them those life skills to be confident and um, capable of taking care of themselves. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we are. I mean, in all honesty, I don't think we are. You know, we're hand-holding them to the end. Um, We're still putting them out, really not knowing what do I do with my free time or, you know. Yeah, I mean, I I completely agree with everything you're saying. And um, I I mean, being an entrepreneur myself, it's something that is a, it's a tough road, but it's something that I absolutely love and I'm passionate about and it allows me to thrive and do more than I had working in other jobs. And I think that people get so scared of going against the quote unquote norm of, you know, you go to high school, you go to college and you get married, you have a house, you know, that particular way of doing things. And yet a lot of people aren't happy because it doesn't fit with who they are. So I completely agree with what you're saying. How do you get um, kids, you know, high school to college age kids to get over the fear of breaking away from what society or their parents or other people have told them to do? You know, it, it's very tricky. It really is very tricky. Um, and there's really no one answer for that, mm-hmm. to be honest. I mean, what I try and work on is whether they're 18 or they're 25 or even older women, you know, reinventing themselves. What I try and work on is really kind of starting with, you know, if you have no obstacles in the way, you know, forget money, forget commitments of a family, a pet, anything. If, you know, basically answer this question, you know, who would you be before someone told you who you should be? 
you know, tell me your top 100 dreams if you could have anything in the world. Mm-hmm. Anything. And it could be, you know, it could be you want to go travel. It could be that you want to be in the Peace Corps. Whatever that is with no one saying you can't do that. And that's kind of where we start, you know. And that's where that's where that self-discovery comes in. Um, and it's interesting because I see it and I actually see it in my own kids, the, the difference in kind of breaking down that barrier. And sometimes it's not easy. Um, I'll be quite honest. My, my youngest, my daughter, who's 19 is living in New York, um, actually took a semester off from college and is kind of reevaluating, but she's an actress, Mm -hmm. um, musical theater. And she, didn't like the program that she was in. And even coming back and visiting, um, you would think her teachers and, you know, she'll go over to the high school and see people and you think they would be kind of like cheering her on, like, good for you. She auditioned, got into her first show in New York and stuff. And they're like, what do you mean you're not in college right now? Mm -hmm. And it's still that society saying, you know, what do you mean you're, you're not you're not doing what we told you to do. And here's a kid that graduated with a 4.3, you know, it's like, but look how healthy and happy and how much, how much growth there is Mm -hmm. and maturity that you wouldn't have seen otherwise. Yeah, I agree. I don't think um, college is for everybody either. And especially nowadays, it's gotten so bad with student loans and debt. Um, that you have kids coming out of school and they want to do certain things, but now they have so much debt to pay that now they're stressed about that. And then they're like, well, I don't even know if, you know, I want to pursue what I studied in college because they didn't take the time to figure out what they actually like and what they want to try. Right. And I think the worst thing is, I think the worst thing is, is when we sit down, even in school and we give these kind of silly tests or, you know, speakers come in and they're like, you know, what do you think you want to do? You know, do you want to be a teacher? You want to be an engineer? I heard of this group doing this sitting down and although it sounds like a great idea to get kids thinking, but they're like having them look up and research like professions, right? Mm -hmm. And everything about it, which is great because it's education and that's knowledge and that's, that's power. But when you're researching and then you see a salary and you choose not to take that path because suddenly I don't want to make, for instance, 50,000. I want to see, I see something that can make a hundred thousand. That's, that's kind of a problem though, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. because if you hate it, yep. <laughs> you know, when you, if you don't turn it down at 30, when you get to 50, you're still going to hate it, you know, and let's face it, success to me, success is when you're happiest, you will be successful when you're happiest. You really will. You know, yes, you have to be wise and yes, you have to, you know, look at everything, but you will make it work because you want it to work. Yeah. I think the other thing that's challenging also um, is, you know, okay, getting people to get away from the typical path and then saying, okay, well, this is what I, I want to do and I like. And then, I, and again, you can speak to this on your end. I think one of the things that I've noticed with a lot of people is that they, they decide, okay, this is what I want but they don't want to actually do the work to get there. And that becomes a problem also, because if you say, for example, like I said, I'm, I'm a dancer, so I totally understand the musical theater component. And if you say, well, that's what I want to do, but you only go on two auditions and then you're like, oh, well, that's it. It didn't work out. 
you know, that's not enough to really push and see what you can do. And it's also thinking outside the box of, well, what other ways can I do what makes me happy in a different realm? You know, how do you feel about that and people doing the work and what can they do to make sure that they're putting enough effort into what they want? Right. Um, I, I, that's a very good point. You know, everything does take work. You know, very few people hit, you know, that level of success round one. Mm-hmm. Even the best entrepreneurs, very few ever hit it round one. And um, you have to be able to be willing to do the work and you have to be willing to take failure. And I think that's the biggest thing. I think, you know, as a society, we try so hard to protect our kids, especially now. You know, even in the schools, like, for instance, like, there's no spelling bees or, you know, on the sports teams, everybody gets a trophy. You know, that's fabulous. But in, in real world, the real world scenario, you know, you might not be the best at your job or mm-hmm. someone is ahead of you and is your boss. And you have to respect that and you have to work up to that level of, you know, succeeding that. And so we try and protect and, and use this, like, perfection concept where, quite honestly, you know, I say this, and the parents in particular, parents really look at me at first, and I'm like, let me finish before you freak out on me. Um, we have to let our kids fail, mm-hmm. you know, and we need to let them fail when they're younger and give them the tools to come out of that failure and the strategies to be like, I'm okay, you know, it's going to pass. I'm going to learn from this mistake because that's where your growth comes in. Yep. And so... If we don't freak out, whether it's a grade or it's a game or, you know, even if it's a job, you know, it wasn't the right fit. And you just have to be able to move on, even if it's an audition. You know, um, one of the best, best things that was told to my daughter by this mentor that has just been, that she found and is a great network she has. He said, you know, you're very talented. Um, and you're, you're a great actor, but you know, if you walk into an audition and you don't get it, guess what? So what? You know, you put on a performance for that audition, but if they have someone that looks like you and acts like you and you don't fit that role or what their image was, you're not going to get it. So for every, you know, hundreds of people that walk in, there's probably that one that they're looking for. Yep. <laughs> That's very true in all the arts, definitely. Right. So, you know, you just, And if you really want it, you just have to keep going for it. You know, you just have to get that thick skin and and have the confidence in yourself. And that's really what I try and work on is, is having that confidence in yourself, knowing that you are good, (laughs) you're, you know, you're healthy, you're good, have the self-compassion to yourself, you know, be gentle with yourself. The next day will be okay. But, um, you can't do the, the one loss and I'm out of the game sort of idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you said earlier, so you, one of the things you help with um, is getting people to figure out how to deal with a failure. So can you kind of take us through when somebody is, and again, kind of a young teen, early adult, or or I guess anybody starting something new that goes through a failure, and what are kind of your steps to get them to learn from that, to build their confidence, to, you know, succeed into the next level? What are some of the things that you tell them to do? Well, some of the tools, I I have kind of different categories, but some of the tools that uh, we work with are, um, I really do believe in mindfulness and kind of setting your tone and and how you're going to walk into your day. And I think one of the things that, especially if we can do this at a younger age, is 
you know, as crazy busy as the world is, and I actually didn't learn this until, you know, probably when I hit 50, like everyone can find, even if it's 30 seconds, if you're standing in the shower, you know, find a second of your day to just focus on you and take a deep breath. Think about what you want out of the day. And that's walking into anything. I mean, that's whether you're walking into an audition, into a job interview, just into school, you know, you can kind of set that tone as to what you're expecting Mm -hmm. and what you want to take from that day. And on the flip side, at the end of the day, you know, we're so good at making lists and having calendars of what we need to get done. Think about it. You know, what did you get done? And, and reward yourself mentally. You know, like I did get this done. I might not have gotten everything done, but there are some positives that have happened, you know, and not that everything has to be, I, again, you know, perfection really isn't there. And I think part of the the facade and, and the the issue is, is that, you know, we, we all look at, you know, the Facebooks and the Snapchats and everything else. Well, I remind, especially the teens, like people are posting, if it's not edited, they're posting the best of the best pictures mm-hmm. of the day. So yes, that looks great. And yes, you know, that vacation looked fabulous and I would like to go too, but um, I'm not there. You know what I mean? That picture is great, but it's the perfect picture that they took. Yep. So you're looking at what they're posting as the best, not the 10 or 15 shots that weren't good that they didn't post because they didn't like the way they looked or whatever. Mm-hmm. So some of the tools are really, you know, it, it really becomes more about yourself. Um, understanding kind of what the triggers are for yourself. Um, understanding kind of, your inner, like your relationships and your triggers and, and what kind of sets you off, you know, what your anxieties are. And, but really it's, it's mostly, if I can kind of sum it up, I guess it would be mostly about your mindset. Mm. I would definitely agree. Do you have, um, any like student stories? I mean, without saying their names, obviously that, you know, someone that you worked with that you were really impressed uh, with some of their changes or growth or something that really excited you with what you were doing? Yeah, I have a few. Um, hmm, let me see if I can just come up with one. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I love seeing, frankly, the transformation of uh, a student really just that confidence coming out. Yeah. Um, hmm. Okay, so one of one of the teens that I've worked with actually, um, well, I'll pick this one. So one of the one girl that I've worked with for a while actually, um, she's gone through some issues with uh, her parents are separating and things like that, and she's applying to college. She's a senior in high school. Um, well, actually, she applied. She's graduating. She really wanted to go to this one out of state school. Um, and it's been an interesting thing because in the mix of as crazy as the senior year is with all the applications and, you know, all the fees and the ups and downs and the emotions of just the senior year, you know, add in that then your parents are going to separate. So now you're trying to talk to both parents mm-hmm. separately about helping you do these things, you know, navigate through that whole thing separately, you know, or two times really. So that's complicated. But she, um, 
the mother was very on board with what she wanted and the father was not so on board with what she wanted and where she wanted to go. And so we had this conversation. It took a long time, actually. One was, uh, one tool that she used really was to write a letter to her father because she found that it was very, very hard to really sit down without the emotions mm-hmm. taking over. So we kind of wrote this letter and, uh, you know, she put it together. First she wrote a letter about her emotions and then she wrote a separate letter, which I didn't see, you know, she had written it, felt better about it. And then she put together this letter to her dad and, you know, first it was, I'm not going to support you if you go out of state. And, you know, we went through the discussions of how important it was for this school that she really wanted to. And it came down to her really being able to say, listen, for 18 years, I've, I've done what you've asked of me very successfully. Um, and if you can't support me, I understand that, you know, what you, whatever you were going to pay would be great, but I'm going to find a way to do this myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think he's coming around to fully supporting her, you know, financially he can do it. So mm-hmm. I think he does, but just the fact that she, I don't want to say stood up to him, but you know, she, she's following really what she truly wants. Mm-hmm. You know, at, there was those points where she was like, Oh, maybe I'll go for the year and then switch out. And it's like, yeah, but you're in there. So, you know, I would lay it out, you know, lay out all the options, this school versus that school, why you think this one is better. And that's what she did. Yeah. And so that, I mean, that's really brave for a 17 or 18 year old kid to be able to do that. Um, especially to your parents. Cause you know, you, you care for your parents and they care for you and, and you're generally appreciative of what they've done. Um, and a lot of times kids want to, uh, you know, make their parents proud. And so sometimes when you're going against what their expectation is, that can be a challenge. But I think in the end, I am not a parent uh, as of right now, but hopefully someday I will be. Mm-hmm. I would assume that most people, you know, you want your children to just be happy and be able to support themselves and live on their own. And it shouldn't really matter what that is as long as they can do those two things. And that, to me, would seem like a success. Right. So, I, yeah, I'm, I'm very pleased that she's doing that. I've worked with, you know, several kids. I had one student that wasn't really sure if she wanted to go away. And I think a lot of it is the anxiety of she's in a – she has a large family. I think there's five kids, and she's right in the middle. Mm-hmm. But she does a lot. You know, she's got two younger siblings, Um that she's very close with and will pick up from school and take to dance class and all that sort of stuff. So she wants to go, but then she didn't want to like feel like she was leaving her mom kind of empty handed Mm -hmm. because she does do so much. And it really, um, to see her come around and realize that she's, she's not, and she's doing this for her. Right. Um, was great. It really was great. That's wonderful. Now, you said you were in education for so many years, and now you're teaching, obviously, in a different type of capacity. Is being more in-depth involved in education than maybe others? Um, you know, you talk about kind of this missing link of teaching kids how to be prepared for life, not just in academics. Do you see that happening in the school system at any point? Do you feel it's more the parent's job? Um, or what kind of things can be done within the school system to allow these kids to feel comfortable to pursue what they're excited about most, but also allow them to instill 
uh, this idea that, okay, it is okay to fail and to get back up and try again and to put in the work to get the things that you truly want? You know, I, I think uh, the school system, I, I don't see it completely happening yet, although, unfortunately, due to, um, I'm not sure if you know that Loudoun County's had several suicides, actually, mm-hmm. in this past year in particular, but the last few years, the rate of suicide and anxiety and, and all the mental illness stuff has just gotten yeah, very out of control. And so there's a lot of attention on it now, which unfortunately, I mean, the attention is, is very good. The reasons for having the attention is not, but, um, but there's a lot of us that are really trying to get the attention and the focus on. So people are talking. And so I think that is good. So I think now that we're getting more of the conversation public, I think it's helping. I think some of the schools in particular are realizing that, you know, taking the time in in school to have like yoga classes or clubs or mindfulness type of activities are really important. I mean, I think where, unfortunately with, I'll, I'll just take take on the high schools right now. I mean, unfortunately, you know, they don't have to take PE after 10th grade. Um, their lunches are still scheduled. You know, when you think about going through your day from, you know, you're up at, what, 6 a.m. or something like that, and with high school, you know, the day doesn't end if you're in sports or mm-hmm. after-school activities. That continues or they have jobs. You know, my high schoolers... I don't think settled down till got home till probably nine o'clock. Then there's dinner and homework. And so for us to kind of run that kind of day without a break in the day is virtually impossible. So how do we expect these young minds to do it? You know, Um, and all the social media stuff. So I think the attention is getting there. I, I don't, think the uh, tools are quite there yet. I mean, I would really, really like to see um, the focus of even someone like me. I know the peer groups are starting, but to have more of, I know guidance counselors are so busy with all the academic and college things, but have like the coaching services or something like that available Mm -hmm. at the school level, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. That, oh, it would help. I remember my, <laughs> I remember my, uh, my high school guidance counselor was terrible and I'm not from this state originally, but, um, I did not take math my senior year. I had always hated math. It was not of interest to me at all. I was always a dancer. I was always into English communications, everything. And I, my parents were in full support of me to be a dance major. And I came in and I said, this is what I'm going to do. And, and she said, well, how about considering accounting? And I was like, is she listening to anything that I said? Like, it was just so far off. I was like, I'm not even taking the class. I have no interest. But in her mind, you know, pursuing some sort of arts career just didn't make sense. So she right. kind of threw out again, like you were saying, well, here sounds like a safer option. So yeah, but I hate that. Why would I go right. to another four years of math when I didn't even want to take it senior year? So it's important also for the, the guidance counselors, you know, to understand that whether or not they think it, they do have a big part in helping the kids going in through college and being that source of advice, like you said, but they also have to be open to, okay, every child is going to have something different. And unfortunately, not all counselors are qualified to 
to coach, just like all managers of jobs are not as qualified to coach. So it is an important skill to learn. I think some people are better at it than others, but it's definitely uh, something that's necessary. So I agree with you on that. Yeah, I think it's very important that they really think about it because some of these schools are so large. Yep. And yet um, their guidance counselors, they're, they're not guiding, as you said. They're just not guiding anymore. You know, they're going through all the administrative processes. But um, they do need to start thinking and, and letting kids know it's okay. It, it's really okay. There are options. Mm-hmm. I think that's what kids need to be comfortable with. Yes, you know, education is important. I'm not saying it's not uh, at all. Um, but there are other options if it's not for you right at that moment or ways to get the education with the skill that you want to do. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we really need to, um, I don't know if it's individually at the county level, deal with it, you know. I That's know. what I was going to say. Who makes that decision? Because I'll be honest, um, whether I talk to students or I talk to teachers or parents, nobody seems to be happy with the school system. So I don't know who's, you know, is it the administration? Is it, you know, the government level? You know, who is it that makes these decisions to do these things like SOLs or to choose the topics or to choose how education is put in the way it is in the public school system? I mean, if so many people are feeling it's not working in a way that's effective, you know, is it that individual or does something need to change or what is your thought on that? You know, it's, it's an interesting question, to be quite honest. That really is a very interesting question because I know, uh, like, Loudoun County, for instance, is huge, mm-hmm. very large county, yet Western Loudoun, where I'm, I'm, I, am, I live right now, and Eastern Loudoun are like two separate entities, yet it's under one roof. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I've been in education 25-plus years, um, and my kids have gone through the Western Land system here, and I've taught, you know, not just a parent, I have taught in the system, they are much more close-minded mm-hmm. to, like, my program. I've actually offered to train the teachers and talk to guidance on a program they wanted to bring in, mm-hmm. and yet they're too busy for that. Yet Eastern Loudoun, um, and I'll give a shout-out, Potomac Falls High School has had some incidents their principal and parent organization have had groups coming in to speak. I've been in to speak to the parents very much like let, let's try and change this. So Mm -hmm. I think the schools have some control, but I'm not really sure how much the SOL thing is. I think the states, I'm not really sure if anyone, but the state level has control on SOL testing, but I, I don't know, maybe, maybe with change of administration or something, mm-hmm. you know, there'll be some changes. But I really think, you know, I, all in all, I think the world is changing. And yeah. I think, you know, opportunities are changing, as far, even entrepreneurship, things like everything is changing. And so I think in particular, there's such a a divide, like my generation and the new generation, as far as this old school and new school. And I think we just have to be ready to open up and and listen to each other and learn from each other and not kind of have this, you know, it's my way or no way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I agree. And I was going to say, and the dance team that I run, uh, my company is all about building confidence as well. 
And I always, and this is kind of how I was raised. I'm the oldest of three. And my parents always treated us no matter what age, like people, we were never kids. We were always people. And so everything that we did, you know, our opinion was valid. Our consequences were equal to no matter what age. And I do the same way when I teach. Um, it doesn't matter if a child's eight or 13, or I have some, an adult who's 50, everybody has a valid point and everybody is intelligent in different areas. And like you said, I think it's so important to be open to people because you can learn from people of all ages and backgrounds. And I mean, sometimes like a nine-year-old kid will come up with something totally different than I would have. And it's a really good idea. And you start to say, well, how can we implement that? How can we include that? And I think a lot of times people get dismissed because it's not their way of thinking or they think you don't know anything or you're too young or you're too old or whatever. Right. And right. it's really important to just be open and listen um, and, and guide and help them to feel comfortable at what they're really good at. I totally agree with you. I think that's, you know, you bring up an interesting point. I think that two things. One, even parents, you know, I think the skill of listening, the art of listening mm -hmm. is something that really needs to be um, learned. You know, it's very hard. I mean, if you try it, you know, I, I remember even like going through training for coaching and things like that, like to really focus and listening without even interrupting and saying, uh-huh, or I agree, or, you know, any kind of, any kind of sound. Um, it takes a skill. It really does. And so I think, you know, as parents, we want to kind of cuddle and, and play mom and papa bear. But, you know, even though to us sometimes teen saying, you know, I had a horrible day or this teacher, you know, is unfair or hates me or whatever. Um, sometimes we kind of dismiss that. Um, but it's a true feeling. And I think everyone really needs to listen. I think our kids really just need to know that they have the support. I, I do think it would be great to like limit social media. I think that's one of the big factors that has changed. Um, and frankly, I mean, I didn't, and I wish, of course, my, my oldest was kind of just in the beginnings of it. But um, if I was had young ones now, I would really try and be very strict about limiting social t time on social media because there's some apps out there. There's even an app called After School where it's your school community. Have you heard of After School? Somebody did. I, I someone did tell me about this a while ago, uh, and I am not a fan of it. If I remember what it's about, but go ahead and tell us about it. Yeah, well, it's just an app that um, is your school specific, and um, but it's so it's your school community that's totally non censored. So mm -hmm. it's it's you know not only is it uh, you can be bullied amongst you know, your classmates, I mean, anything goes on it, frankly, um, with no censorship and it comes home with you and goes to school with you. And all of the schools are, are on it. Like I've tried to get on it and see, and you can kind of see the schools, the list of the schools and how many people are on at that moment, but you have to have an active Facebook page mm -hmm. to, um, be let in. And it, it's smart. I, I mean, I'm not a technical person, so I don't know all the workings of it, but it's very smart because you can't really trick your age and trick if you graduated from that school, if you're in that school. I tried. Right. <laughs> I, I tried to be my daughter, like, and change the graduation date, and it didn't work. But, um, 
But it's it's like, why do we have things like that? That's awful. It is. And I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't really know that much about that app besides, like I said, what you and another woman told me. But, um, you know, I tell people even on Instagram or YouTube, you know, you have control over your life and who you let into your life, offline and online. So I find many times that there's, first of all, if I see anything that's inappropriate or shady, delete, block, any of that. Um, if there's someone being nasty comments, delete, block. I mean, there's no reason that anybody needs to even allow that into their page or on in their life because 90% of the time that person has no picture, you know, they're angry. They got nothing else going on. Exactly. Um, so I always encourage that. Um, but I think it's important to not just for, I mean, any age, but especially kids, I really encourage them to, um, to step up. You know, if you think something's wrong, step in and say, this isn't right. And a lot of kids are so afraid because they think like they'll be ridiculed. But more often than not, other kids are going to be like, thank you. Thank you for doing that because I feel the same way and I'm with you. And, you know, call people out. Hey, that's not nice. That's not what you do. That's not okay. You're hurting somebody. And I think the more that people do that, a lot of that nastiness will start to decrease. It's never going to fully go away. But I do think that the kindness will win out eventually. I totally agree with you. I totally agree. Good point. Okay, so I want to finish. Um, I ask everybody at the end if there is a quote or a word or like a mantra that you live by every day, what would that be for you? I think the the quote that I love the best is by Daniela Port, and that is actually kind of my tag is, you know, who who would you be before the world told you who you should be? And that's kind of sums up what I do and what I believe in. Um, just because I do want people to think outside the box. Yeah. I, I love Danielle Laporte, so I know who she is too. And I think that's a really uh, wonderful quote. And the last thing, where can people find you? What is your website or social media? People can check you out and learn more about you and your company. Awesome. So my company is Navigate and Empower. And my website is www navigate-empower.com and um, I'm on Facebook as Navigate Empower with no hyphen and my Twitter is the the same at Navigate Empower so um, yeah come find me and check me out and uh, I'm actually having an event for mothers and daughters in August August 4th at, in Reston Town Center at Kendra Scott for high school girls and their moms um, to celebrate high school graduation and um, just an evening of empowerment. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you so much, Robin, and we will chat again soon. I look forward to it. Thank you so much for having me, Carrie. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you want to learn more, you can visit Ordinary People Doing Extraordinary Things over on iTunes or SoundCloud. If you'd like to learn more about this episode, please visit emotiondancefit.com slash Robin. If you've really liked the podcast, I would greatly appreciate your review over on iTunes. Remember, each of you is capable of achieving anything you want in life. And you, yes, you, have something truly special about you that deserves recognition. If you'd like to be featured on the podcast, send an email to Kerry, K-E-R-I, at emotiondancefit.com. Be confident. Be kind, be happy.